For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to Bladen Races, it was on the 9th of June. 1862 on a summer's afternoon We took the bus from Balmbras And she was heavy laden Away we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there And all with smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road To see the Bladen races Blue past Armstrong's factory and up to the Robin Adair. But gunning o'er the rail, we bridged the... Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 172. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. Uh, and I hope everyone's had a good week because Newcastle played well in a football slash soccer match. Um, so that's, that's, that's enough for celebration right there. That's how you start a week off strong. Uh, in this pod, we will talk about... Our match against Spurs. We'll talk about some news that happened, and we'll preview the upcoming Sunday match, 4 a.m. Pacific time. Um, so count me out on that. If you want to actually follow me to get any live updates during matches, don't do it for this weekend. I, in fact, unfollow me and then follow me like next week. Um, but other than that, uh, let's introduce the whole reason why we're here today, and that's the best damn goals in the land. Elijah Newsom, how are you, dear sir? Hey, you know, Greg, do you peep the hat? Do you know what, what week it is? Yeah. It's Masters week, baby. Yeah. I don't watch golf at all, but um, I watch the Masters because I'm a damn American, and that's what we do here in the States. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I'm excited to be here, um, especially off the backs of a positive showing from Newcastle. Um, a, a match in which I felt it would be cruel if Newcastle lost. Um, they they honestly did deserve at a minimum a draw. Arguably, if you want to look at the old XGs, you could say Newcastle deserved to win this match and handedly. Probably mm-hmm. the largest XG I've seen from Newcastle under the Bruce era. And I honestly don't even feel like I need to get that fact checked. We'll talk about it during stats. I'm 90% sure that's accurate. Uh, but yeah, you can follow your boy at Elijah underscore Newsome. And hey, like, shout out to the folks who uh, who DM me and be like, "Yo, I appreciate you guys." Hey, we appreciate you too. Um, I know this has just been a fun hobby that's turned into just something bigger. And I think I speak for both me and Greg. And I'll say, hey, this has been fun. I enjoy it. I love the community. I love everyone involved. And I'm excited to do this until I die. So. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not until I die. Like if something happens where it's like, yo, we have to stop the pod because ESPN's offering us a show. Then it's like, all right, I guess we'll stop the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we'll be CHPN. Yeah. <laughs> or or we'll just keep the name. And be like, all right, we're now an ESPN uh, TV show called CHN Radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Awesome. Let, let's dive into it then. Um, so for this match, Newcastle 2, Spurs 2. Mm. And 
which is not just after uh, we can talk about it, but the first thing we have to really discuss is our three words. So after every match, we ask you on CHN underscore podcast to describe three words or use three words to describe the match. And you always deliver uh, every time, time and time again. Uh, some of the three words we have Mr. Steel, your worldwide says goal Linton scored, baby. Uh, that counts as three words with the hyphen. L- One lost muffin says emotionally burnt out. Trevor Mooney says Brucey's still shite. Patrick Sotolaro says, where's that been? Kim Avery, much needed point. Eric at Stumanji says delaying the inevitable. Uh, James Whitmore, sloppy in defense. Brian Smith, much better attitude. And Demio says, come on, Villa. Um, which, yes. They did. They, yes. they did come on. They, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric Schmidt said so much better. That's another one. I think. Oh, we have more. Uh, oh, yeah, that counts. Golenton, Bloon Dior. Uh, Toon Army Denver, not relegated yet. Uh, yeah, so a little bit more of a hopeful uh, three words than we usually get. So we'll get into the match. And the first thing we we always dive in when we do these match recaps is the lineup. So I'll just quickly talk about the lineup, who showed up, who played, and then Elijah will break it all down for us. So for Newcastle, we had Dubravka, then Murphy, Richie, Kraft, Dummett, Lascelles, then Almiron, Shelby, Sean Longstaff, Gale, and Jolinton. Um, on the bench, we had St. Maximin, Willick, and Mankio, and then not used the substitutes were Clark, Maddie Longstaff, Jamal Lewis, Hendrick, Darlow, and Elliot Anderson. Uh, Elijah, break it down. What do you think when you saw that lineup? Yeah, first things first, no Jeff Hendrick. So mm-hmm. – uh, a big positive there. Already step in the right direction. I think everyone was was thinking that as well. Um, first thing, the second thing I noticed was I saw Dummett, Kraft, and Lascelles, and I immediately was like, "This is a back three. Um, interesting. Uh, Kieran Clark was fit and available, but not chosen um, as as someone who would be in that back three, which again was an interesting interesting choice. I wouldn't say that it was the right decision. I mean, it's it's a weird one because both him and Paul Dummett are left-footed. I don't think Paul Dummett was particularly bad, but Emil Kraft was not great. Um, but Emil Kraft is a center back. Something we've talked about a ton on this pod. It's not ideal, and so to willingly choose that is was a bold decision by Steve Bruce. Did it pay off? No. Uh, was he punished for it? Not really. So we'll see what happens going forward. Hopefully you get back to like maybe a Federico Fernandez or something in that spot, because it was not pretty Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie making their return in the side was, was nice to see. I felt as if Matt Ritchie was going to play with a lot of fire. Um, We all know what's happened between him and Bruce. Uh, And so like Matt Ritchie seems like the type of person to hold a grudge and try to prove people wrong. Um, And then I guess the other things I feel like Gail and Joel Linton, knowing there's a five in the back formation, knowing Callum Wilson was not, was going to be hit or miss and knowing Alan St. Maximin was going to also probably not be fully fit. Not at all surprised to see Gail and Joel Linton, but the five, three, two kind of confirmed for me that it wouldn't, it it would play to those, those players strengths. Both of these guys, um, one operate better as, as, 
you know, strike partners, like having a partner in, in the strike in the strike force. But uh, particularly it keeps both of them central, which they've kind of both been able to operate um, at their best when they've played centrally. So um, that yeah. was, that, that was the big thing for me. Um, Shelby playing uh, people were upset about, but I felt like out of the midfield, it pains me to say this. His presence was somewhat needed. Uh, just looking at who we went with our midfield trio with Almiron and Longstaff. I, did, I wasn't expecting Longstaff to be as adventurous going forward or be able to kind of pick out passes. And Shelby at least is going to try to do that, especially when Tottenham were, it worked out perfectly because Tottenham were giving Newcastle space along the wings. And so the big switch was always on. And so it actually worked out perfectly for John Joe. Dream situation for him. And Sean Longstaff making his return to the side was, was nice to see. Um, it was I, I tweeted this out. I was interested to see because everyone's been dogging Jeff Hendricks so much, like whether or not uh, you know, people were gonna get on Sean Longstaff this yeah. match because it's like people have been asking for some for Bruce to start the longstaffs, but those same people trash the longstaffs every time they play. So I was just curious to see like what would happen as he played. And he honestly played really well. So there was nothing really said. So um, again, weird lineup choice. Maybe not what I would have chosen. Maybe not what Greg would have chosen, but it worked. And the change in formation was a bit unexpected, um, especially since the four four two diamond was working well when you had the right personnel. And you feel like, oh, okay, well, you're going to get at least part of that personnel back. Maybe you should go back to the four four two diamond. And Steve Bruce kind of went with his gut and stuck with the five three two. So. I cannot yeah. complain. I cannot. Yeah. So, so let's talk uh, leading up to the first goal and, and it was immediately evident that uh, we, we almost made it a, 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 an impact right away in this match. It like almost had an amazing start uh, with Jolinton, uh, but he just shot it directly at, at Hugo Larice. Um and like that would have been, it was an amazing opportunity that was just fired right, right at the Spurs keeper. But uh, Gail actually made another, like should have had a goal here. I mean, it was a great save, but uh, it was about like 20 minutes into the match. Uh, he like Gail got behind the defense and came on near post and shot the ball at old Hugo, but he palmed away the initial shot and then Gail got a follow-up shot and it went under Larice and then like, but he stopped it before it got to the goal line. It was like really awkward, but he was to make, make the save and uh, pretty, pretty interesting start there for Newcastle where it looked like Newcastle were just like, we're definitely playing a little bit better than Spurs. what do you think about that opening play? Yeah. I mean, I, it definitely felt as if Newcastle were on the front foot, a lot of chances. Um, definitely also felt as if maybe uh, Callum Wilson were missing him a little bit. Um, I thought, that midfield three you get, you honestly have three guys who are not great defenders. Like, let's be real. John Joe is lazy. Maggie, he works hard, but I wouldn't say he's an elite defender. Uh, and Sean Longstaff is, he's, he's not the fastest. So, uh, <laughs> so it was, it was interesting to see that like, that was not an issue. Uh, and again, like I mentioned, Spurs were allowing Newcastle to have the options out wide and Newcastle took it. Um, you saw a lot of guys uh, like uh, Matt Ritchie and Jacob Murphy had a lot of the ball and were swinging in crosses left and right. And we talk about Steve Bruce wanting 
to swing in crosses. He always talks about swinging in balls to your big lads and all that kind of stuff. And he just does not play people who do that. He plays forwards who prefer to cut inside. He plays, you know, wingers who cut inside and all that kind of stuff. And it was nice to see, like, now, and I don't know if this was really by design, but like Matt Ritchie, I wouldn't say he's our best crosser, but he crosses the ball a lot. And Jacob Murphy quite possibly is our best crosser of the ball. Like, I feel like he's always good for two or three really good deliveries that should be goals. And so it's nice to see the like, okay, Spurs are playing kind of right into Newcastle's game plan. I don't think Steve Bruce anticipated that Spurs were going to allow us to have, you know, like the ball out wide so much and, and force us to, to switch, switch play so often, but it worked out for Bruce. So I guess you can say he got lucky, but I think that was the biggest thing I noticed was like, we're swinging in balls left and right. Yeah. uh, So we'll get to the, the the good part. Uh, 28 minutes in Matt Ritchie, MVP for this moment, he got in the way of two clearances by uh, Spurs and was able to control the ball, and he slipped the pass off to Sean Longstaff. Longstaff, the way it played out, uh, he had his head up, great look, saw Jolton across the box, slid it right to him, uh, and it was a pretty pretty good, easy, straightforward finish for Jolton to take the lead. Newcastle won, Spurs zero. What's your thought on that play? Yeah, um, I know the Newcastle sort of like not behind the scene. Whatever the 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 thing they do after matches where they show like the all the the perspectives and there's no there's no commentary. It's just it's just guys running around kicking the ball. I don't know what it's called. It's like they're just go to their YouTube that released, um, and uh, you heard like the whole bench was screaming at Sean Longstaff to shoot, and he just laid it off to Joel Linton. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of reminded me of like the whole reason we were all excited about Sean Longstaff when he came up through the Academy, like dude was just at the U 23 level and in lower leagues, like consistently kind of made the right decision when it came to the final third, whether it was to shoot from distance because he had the space, whether it was to play the pass, whether it was, you know, to recycle possession, like he made good decisions. So it was nice to see that translate to premier league level. And I don't know who to credit for that because honestly, like, when you think about Sean Longstaff, uh, like kind of and his role at Newcastle since he's been a, a consistent first teamer, you don't really think about the assist part. You think about the goals he scored, or kind of like maybe the last ditch efforts, but you don't think about like kind of that the the brains behind the midfielder. And so that was cool to see. Was like he kind of knew that 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 option was going to be there. Jolinton slots at home, and that's great for the confidence. Um, and it kind it showed. I mean, Jolinton had. Probably, and Alan Shearer said this, so I'll go with Alan Shearer, his best match in a Newcastle shirt. And I, I would say that's not a hot take at all. Um, I mean, even the the the, the famed NUFC 360 only had one negative tweet about Jolent in the entire match, which is, you know, shout out to them. That That's a first for them. Uh, so, I mean, it, he was confident as hell throughout the rest of that match. Um, even when Newcastle were down, he was still playing balling out. So it was good for him to get that. And I hope it translates. And I mean, hopefully it, it turns into a, a, a healthy problem to have where, you know, we know Joe Linton's best up with a, he's best with, with a strike partner. We've seen his best matches come in that regard, but also it's like, it's a, it's a nice problem to have. You, you have players like Alan St. Maxman, Callum Wilson, Miguel Marone and Joe Linton all play well. And it's like, they all play well under different circumstances. How do you figure out how to have them all play together and play well? 
that's a good problem to have if you're Steve Bruce. So hopefully this is the trend and Joel Linton puts in a couple more really good performances. But yeah, great goal. Um, unfortunate what happened right after. <laughs> yeah, that's all I get to. So we had three goals in six minutes, uh, but two of them unfortunately were Spurs. So Los Celso's uh, started. He has uh, he got a ball to Harry Kane. Uh, and it was a little bit too strong, but because Emil Kraft is completely inept at playing his position or any position, it seems, um, in the Premier League, uh, even in front of his own goal, can't even clear the ball out. It led to a ricochet that gave Kane a completely unmissable opportunity from one yard out, uh, made it 1-1. Uh, so world-class Emil Kraft. There's a point where I actually convinced people that he was going to be good. Or, well, I tried to convince people. It's uh, I can't, you know, if people believed me, that's on them. Um, <laughs> but 1-1 uh, after that. And then uh, just four minutes later, um, Ndombele played in Kane on the right side of the box. And after a touch to, like, kind of steady himself, Kane hit a pretty confident ball from the right hand of the box to beat Dubrovka with some power and accuracy on the opposite side. So like when, when Kane received the ball in this goal, he like looked like pretty close to being offside. And like, he was probably level when the replays go went, like when I saw the replays, that was pretty cool. But um, they, it, it was interesting to see that they did. I thought it was for sure going to be reviewed and they just didn't take it there. Um, like, you know how it is with VAR in the Premier League, like his armpit could have been all sides there. Um, so I'm surprised they didn't even go to re- to review that because I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, there's a chance that could be called back just because Premier League is inept with how to do video replay. Um, in, in the spirit of the game, I'm glad they didn't even look at it. In the spirit of Newcastle, they totally should have. <laughs> um, uh, but what's your what's your thoughts uh, like in that in that immediate like four game, four minute collapse or six minute collapse following Newcastle's first goal? It, it's it's the story of the season, right? I mean, I think we we have the same conversation damn near every pod. Uh, individual mistakes, and it's like it only takes one individual mistake to ruin how great the rest of the match was. So it's like Newcastle damn near flawless for 86 minutes and some change but those four minutes costly i mean you're looking at the difference between three points and a point you're looking at the difference between being nine points away from safety versus kind of being in a similar position you were in before the match so while the while the draw is a good result it's unfortunate because like by all means you look at every metric out there Newcastle should have won this match and they should have won this match by two goals, but they didn't. Uh, and it's, it's purely because of those, those four minutes um, regarding VAR. It's really interesting because I feel like I'm, I, I, you have to fact check me this on, on this, Greg, you might know better than me. I feel like with MLS automatically, every scoring play is reviewed by VAR. And I'm just so used to seeing that, that it was just weird where I'm like, Oh, they didn't even look at it. Like, I'm just so used to that because I feel like that's the case at MLS. Um, but in Germany, right? Germany, Germany does the same. Yeah, way. Germany does the same thing. Yeah. So it was. I mean, I, I don't think it gets overturned, uh, especially because VAR's, you know, been. Yeah, but been he could have had like his tongue could have been sticking out. Could yeah, have been and and like, my point exactly, tongue. VAR's been going through the gauntlet in the Premier League for sure. 
hence the whole Arsene Wenger uh, offsides rule that I don't know if it fixes anything. Uh, so uh, that all that to say, um, yeah, Harry Kane's really good. Turns out, uh, I mean, he's 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 golden boot leader for a reason. So um, that's great uh, for him. And that second goal is just you've seen that so many times if you've watched Spurs. Harry Kane, like, just be able to hit it across the face of goal and just pure power. It beats every keeper in the Prem. I think every keeper has a, a highlight or maybe a low light for them where Harry Kane literally just rifles it across the face of goal from the right-hand side. and just it just also, nothing you can on, do. on that, um, I just wanted to talk about that. One thing is Dubrovka saves that 99 times out of 100 in previous years. Something to think about. Um, he, I mean, that's that's he does not let that that ball go in cross cross the face of goal from that close in. He doesn't let that ball in. Anything. I don't know. I mean, I I I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also think like Harry Kane also scores that goal nine times out of ten against anyone. We're talking Ederson. We're talking Ali Sloan. We're yeah, talking maybe best best keepers in the prem, best keepers in the world. He he scores that nine times out of ten. Like it literally, they said just, it in yeah. the broad, like before before he even took the shot, they were like, "Oh, this is going to be a goal," because he that's like outside of a tap in, that's like probably Harry Kane's best best chance of scoring. Like I would I would bet money Harry Kane scores that chance over a header in the box off a corner. Like that's just bread and butter peak Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh. So then. Uh. So. After this, after the second goal, uh, Newcastle obviously like were pretty quiet, quiet, quieted down. But then they uh, they did almost get another opportunity where Dwight Gale found Almiron pretty much running free. Defense caught up with him and he had to make a pass and just didn't work out. But outside of that, half ended two to one uh, Spurs lead. But then Almiron took that to another level in the second half. Um, Newcastle did not lose a step at all. I mean, obviously giving up the two goals was harsh, but they eventually fought right back to it and started the second half where they left off for the rest of the match. And it was bit, it was Miggy immediately for the, for me in the second half, like right from the opening, like seconds of the second half, uh, he forced like a, like a basically a fingertip save from, from Spurs. And then like, well, maybe like 15 minutes later or 20 minutes later, um, he made a huge play defensively. Very rare that you'll see an attacking midfielder making saves on the goal line, but he did just that for us. Like, like Miguel Amron saved this game, and it's not being talked about enough, not nearly enough. So Dubrovka punched a corner away, like skywards, which is so dumb because he could have grabbed that one. Another Dubrovka thing that was a little odd for me uh, on this one. Um, and I can't remember who it was that sent the ball, like, when it came back down, he sent it towards goal. It was going in, and Miguel Amron headed it clear off the goal line, which is an amazing play for him. Um, then shortly after that, Jolinton missed a chance to to take the lead or to dr- tie the match. Um, he had took the ball down the right wing uh, from across from Kraft, actually, and he like just like hit it wide of the net, um, and then we got. Gale replaced by St. Maximin, and it seemed to pretty much like ruin every single one of our attacking attempts. Like St. Maximin, like pretty much ruined our attack. 
Um, everything that was working, it, it just didn't happen no more when St. Maximin joined, which is fine. That's his way. That's how, that's how he plays. And we have to adjust to that, but he did find Richie on the left of a play. And then uh, Richie's cross, Richie crossed the ball far post, like to around the six yard box. And Almiron was challenging two defenders on that. And the ball ran free to Joe Willick. Thanks to Almiron. Almiron made he, Almiron ate up two defenders on this cross. Let left Joe Willick completely wide open and free in the box to score, um, and that's that's what made it happen. So so St. Maximin did get into the play. I'm not saying St. Maximin's bad. Don't take that anyway. But the team complete our, our all of our chances stopped as soon as he was subbed onto the pitch. So um, and it could have been a strategy change for us. Uh, but hey, it worked. We got a draw out of it. Uh, Elijah, what do you think about that third that fourth goal of the match our second yeah uh it was it was interesting um like like you said uh with asm coming on it felt like all right asm's on like if we get anything it's going to go through him like it felt like the system sort of sort of disappeared and it went to all right asm's on he's our maverick like whatever he does like he's probably going to be the one to create the goal and ultimately like kind of that's what happened because like he i guess he played the ball in the richie like you said um so like i guess technically that's what happened um i'm gonna look for i i'm 90 percent sure when he like at a certain point when he came on uh like we changed formations a little bit in order to suit that um but yeah i mean it's a good goal joel willock again late runs that's what we were told he was going to do we just don't but hate it we, I mean, we can't be upset. I'm not going to say that I said Joe Willick would be the type of player Newcastle needs and his late runs are what we needed um, this season. I'm not going to say I said that, but, I mean, if you go back in time, listen to the emergency pod, I might have said something along those lines, might have said that he might be one of the reasons that we stay up. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you have to check the tapes. It's just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that goal doesn't really happen without Amaron attracting so much attention. Um, and again, that's something that we talked about. I feel like I sound like a broken record, but we talk about just having ASM and Amaron and then eventually Cal Molson on the pitch all together. And RIP to us when we initially thought like, oh yeah, it's going to be crazy when defenders have to deal with Amaron, Joel Linton and ASM. Uh, it's it's really ASM Wilson and, and Almiron, but like you you have to pick your poison. Like and it's 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 crazy to see like what teams do, um, because there's plenty of goals you can kind of point back directly to just they overcommitted to one of those three players and another person was just wide open. And this is a yeah. perfect example of that, where like they overcommitted to Almiron, and as they should. I mean, if it's one v one, Almiron probably gets a shot on target, probably buries that. But they committed two men to him, and Joe Willock was just wide open and roofs it. Um, yeah. Which, again, also a little bit nervy because when someone roofs something, it's like, damn, that's like inches away from being not a goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also a goal. <laughs> yeah. Which is all that matters. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. real quick, I want to mention the formation change that happened was – 
John Joe Shelby dropped into the back five. That's what it was, which was just like things I didn't have on my bingo card for NUFC. John Joe Shelby playing as a ball playing center back. That's definitely one of those. So during that formation change, it's interesting because Graham Jones was the one kind of leading the charge on that change. Uh, he was the one yelling the like what to do for everybody on the sideline. So that was a, I, I don't know. I mean, Seabrooks could have said, hey, change this up, Graham, take the lead here. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was very interesting. So um, we had two things to take away from this. Like there's obvious, obvious relief, right? We didn't lose. Yeah. So, and, but there was also a sense that like Newcastle tried to make something happen in this. Like there was something to hold on to from this match um, rather than just reacting to whatever our opponents do. Like Newcastle went for this one. They tried yeah. to get it. Um, and this improved, like I'm, I try to think like, what do you think attributed to this improved attitude? And like, Elijah, this is actually something I was like, could be a great article, right? Like what was the difference in this, like between this and like what we've seen with Newcastle? Like, could it be Matt Ritchie? Could it be like just the situation we're in where we're literally fighting for survival? Could it be like, maybe, maybe it's finally evident to like Newcastle players. Um, and like the, it's pretty much settled in with the news and I'm not sure what the players are getting fed internally, but pretty much settled in that C Bruce isn't going anywhere. So the players are like, Hey, let's just, you know, might as well just play attacking. Let's go get it. Like, um, but mm. we were able to get a big point. Yeah. I, w- I would say it was, it was refreshing to see that off the backs of Brighton where it seemed like that team, that the team at Brighton felt as if they had given up. And I, 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 I like you said, it's weird. I mean, there's so many things, there's so many avenues you can get, you can go down. Right. Like, is it, oh, yeah, ASM and Callum Wilson are back. Like, that's a big boost. When you're on a team and, you're, and your best players are returning, and Miguel Amron is another example where, like, it was made public kind of before this match. He was not at 100% at the Brighton match. So it's like, oh, damn, we've got our guys back at, like, 100%. Like, we're better than Fulham because we have our guys back. Like, you like I don't know if I can really name three players better on Fulham than like our three guys. Like I I feel like that that's definitely maybe part of it as well as like are oh, you got an added confidence knowing like all right it's okay as long as we do our jobs as defenders and make sure those guys get the uh, get the ball as long as we do our jobs as midfielders and you know set ourselves up and handle our individual responsibilities as well like the goal will come. Um and so it, it's interesting to see like. Yeah, they definitely play with a lot more confidence. And like you said, I think the big thing was that, you know, even being down a goal, there was no loss in fight. I think Newcastle teams have passed would have sort of maybe not given up all the way uh, under like with the ASM era, but definitely taken their foot off the gas and accepted the fact that they probably would lose this match or at best get a draw. But Newcastle, even after scoring the equalizer, were pushing for a win. They were pushing for a win probably since they were down a goal. And that's that's a version of Newcastle we haven't seen. And I don't know what the hell Steve Bruce did to fire up the team to that level. But I'm sorry. Like, I don't even know if even getting those guys back or, like you said, you know, Matt Ritchie being in the side. I don't know if that even has anything. Because under Steve Bruce, Newcastle have never shown that kind of determination at all. Uh, in a match where they could, you know, basically pushing for a win for a full 90 minutes. I've never seen that. Yeah. 
Going to quotes, Steve Bruce said, we're pleased, but in my opinion, it should have been three points. I thought we were the better side. It's as good as I've seen us play for a long time, especially after the debacle two weeks ago. Uh, we've done as well as we could have hoped. We're just disappointed we haven't won it. But you take a point and move on. There was the performance, which I was really pre- pleased with, considering what's happened over the last few weeks. Um, he also said there's this nonsense about a mole in the dressing room, blah, blah, blah. There is nothing wrong with the spirit here. And a togetherness is, in my opinion, always going to be there. Um, he said, I was determined to pick a team who hadn't been away who hadn't been away halfway around the world. It would be fresh. They deserved to win the game. And it was the performance I was delighted with. Um, on injuries, Bruce said, Andy Carroll picked up a calf in- injury. Ryan Fraser picked up a groin injury while he was away in Scotland. And he hasn't trained for a few days. And then Fetty Fernandez felt his calf again, too. Um, on Jolinton, Bruce said, that was arguably as good as I've seen Jolinton play for us. Probably the easiest thing to do is stick it in the net. His touch is immaculate. He plays with great effort and endeavor, but his all-around game today was terrific. He's had it tough, but the one thing about Joe is he doesn't shy away from it. Yes, we have to improve the goal tally, but over a tough period, he's done very well in certain games. Today, arguably, was his best. Stats. Going to the statistics. Um, We have first is... Harry Kane. Oh. Um, he has seven goals against Newcastle United. Well, not surprising. Um, that's definitely way behind Wayne Rooney's goal tally. He has Wayne Rooney has 15. Okay. Um, so Kane still has some work to do. Uh Joel Willow. Again, not not out of the question, though. I mean, I'd say he's probably got what five, six years left. Yeah, totally, totally. And tight. definitely in the Premier League and maybe at Man City. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, Man City now is apparently is going to buy a Holland. So wait, wait. Um, so I, I also want to point out, uh, even though they might buy Holland, I just want to say I'm grateful that we don't have to see Aguero playing Newcastle anymore. Like that was an underrated bit of news that, like, I kind of was like, damn, yes. Like I'm tired of seeing Aguero score a hat trick against Newcastle, damn near every time he plays us. So. I mean, obviously, end of an era, but geez. I mean, but then I say this only to then have Holland score a hatch against Newcastle for the next, you know, 20 years. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe Willick, two goals for Newcastle now. He became the third Newcastle player. Trivia time, Elijah. Oh. Third Newcastle player to score in the Premier League this season after arriving from the bench. Who are the other two? Wait, okay, wait, repeat that. I He's gotta... the third Newcastle player to score a goal in the Premier League from coming off coming from the bench. So who are the other two Newcastle players to score in the Premier League this year coming from coming on as a substitute? Okay, this year. Okay. Um two players. Okay. I'll give you a hint. One of them was against West Brom at home. The other was Leicester at home. Man. Okay. <laughs> All right. I th- mm. Jacob Murphy? No. Nope. Ryan Fraser? No. <laughs> one of them is a defender. I think no. one of them is a def- Really? Okay. All right. 
Okay. I, I, for some reason, I'm, I was thinking like there's some defender that came off. Okay. Um, it's true. I would have immediately said like, I don't know, like Kieran Clark or Lascelles or something like that. But I wouldn't have said Lascelles because I, I don't think Lascelles has been subbed on this yeah. season. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Uh, Dwight Gale. Yep. Dwight Gale scored against the, West Brom. Yeah, I would say he's the West Brom one. And then the second one, it's not Ryan Fraser, huh? I I would have pegged it as John, Ryan Fraser. Um, maybe. Oh, what did Maggie did Maggie score when he got subbed on, or did he start? Yeah, he started and he scored. And everyone was like, "Yeah, why didn't we start him for the first two games of the season?" You're, you're going to be very upset when I tell you this. Is it Alan Sam Axman? No. Is it Callum Wilson? No. It's Andy okay. Carroll. Oh yeah, he did. He had an <laughs> absolute screamer, and that Leicester like match. The best goal. It, it was literally. It's going to win goal of the season. It means nothing because we lost that like two one or three one or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's annoying because yeah, you're right. Like uh, our two strikers on the bench are the only two players that have scored off uh, from that position. Joe Willock being the third. Um, Matt Ritchie made his first start since a since that Leicester City loss um, where Andy Carroll scored. But it was only Dwight Gale's only third of the season. Um, the last time that Matt Ritchie and Dwight Gale started together was against Liverpool in the final game of the 2019-2020 season. Um, Jolinton scored his second Premier League goal of the season. Him and him and Joe Willock are tied now. Um, and nice. what's that? I said nice. That's oh. Good. Um, with, with, he scored a brace in the league cup. Um, so he now has four games in all comps this season, which matched his final tally of last season, which he also had two in the premier league, two in the FA cup. Um, this is the first time that he scored and didn't finish in a winning side. So new, new endeavors for Jolinton. Um, an interesting stat here. Um, so Jose Mourinho has just won one of nine Premier League visits to St. James Park as a manager. This is his fourth draw to go with four losses, and his only win came last year. Um, so Jose Mourinho doesn't like playing here. So some uh, uh, sad stats: we are now winless in our last seven Premier League matches. Okay, um, a lot of draws. Yep. We've just what? lost. We've lost once in our last five. Yeah, um, say in our last seven. Um, so since we lost two to one by Crystal Palace in February, we have remained unbeaten at St James Park um, in four games. We had one win and three draws in those. Okay, uh, which is our is our best run, but best home form of the season for sure. I'd say that that's that's good for Newcastle. Um, but we've just won four from 15 at home this season. The 08-09 relegation campaign ended with five victories, which is the lowest we've ever recorded in a season at home. So right now we still need to win one just to tie the least amount of wins at home we've ever had. Uh, we need to win two to break it. Going to 538. Wait, 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 wait. Since you're done with those stats, I have another normal stat for you. This oh, yeah. is from good old OptiJill elite stat platform. Um, 17 shots from inside the box for Newcastle oh, wow. uh, against Spurs, which, by the way, is absurd. Um, that's the most in a single Premier League match under Steve Bruce, like I think ever. 
So, um, yeah, uh, because, of course, Steve Bruce, um, although he thinks he's an offensive mastermind, is in fact not. So, uh, yeah, that that was my stat um, as well. And I have another kind of advanced stat, but that's that's not important until we get into the advanced stats. So. Okay. Going to advanced stats. um, We have our XG Newcastle at three point three Spurs, two point four. Um, so a three to two win at least is what Newcastle was expected. Elijah, do you have any idea who led Newcastle in expected goals? And oh, oh god, Dwight Gale. Yeah, it. it I mean, it. It has it's, to be like that. Those were both from two yards out. It's the first player that I can remember that clearly had over one expected goal for the game. Yeah, I about um, to say, yeah. And, I, I was going to ask you if there's been any other player that's had over one. Because I felt like he had 1.5 or something like that. I have 1.24. 1. Okay. Um, and Jolinton had 0. 0.87. Willick had 8.85. So just sh- goes to show you, right? Like, Jolinton and Willick's goals were pretty straightforward. Like, <laughs> like pretty good chance they were going to be a goal. And Dwight Gale still had way more expected goals. <laughs> Um, do you know who led in expected assists? Man, uh, gee, that's tough. Maybe Matt Ritchie. No, Matt Ritchie's down there. I was, uh, uh, yeah, you got me beat, so you just got to tell um, me. Sean Longstaff was second. He had the assist to Jolinton. Yeah, makes and sense. The first best expected assists. He had no assists in the game, but he's the guy who was passing it to Dwight Gale. <laughs> And his name is Jolinton. <laughs> oh, well, wow. Great match for Jolinton then. Yeah. Yeah. 0.87 expected goals, 0.57 expected assists. So literally a fantastic match for Jolinton. By far led the team in expected like goals from him. Uh, it wasn't even close. Um, going to some other stats. We have Newcastle had 60% of the chances in this match. Um, we had 22 shots to their 11, six on target to their five set. Both teams had seven passes completed within 20 yards of goal and, uh, PBDA ours was a little like ours was a little higher than where you want it to be as 15.6, uh, Spurs to 8.1 and expected points, Newcastle two, Spurs to 0.76, which leans towards a Newcastle victory is what expected we're going to say. Elijah, anything on your end? Um, Before I go with 538? Yeah, I mean, there was some conflicting news about kind of expected goals. Some people, like Opta had us at 4.3, which was the third highest of any team in Premier League game this season, and the highest of Newcastle since 2016-2017. So, again, this if Newcastle get relegated, this will be a match to kind of – kind of look back at and be like, damn, like this could have been the one that secured a safety because by all means, this should be three points for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. It's probably not as big of a deal as like it could have been just because Fulham got blown up by Villa. Um, but if Fulham picked up any sort of result, if it was a draw, if it was a win, then you start really asking questions about like, damn, like Newcastle, like the writings on the wall, it's the relegation side, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But like, this should have been a win. Uh, you know, I mean, it's great that we, that we picked up a result, but again, should have been a win. Yeah. 
Newcastle cannot win the Premier League. We've been eliminated for that, but we still have a chance to qualify for the Champions League. Um, and we have a 35% chance of getting relegated, um, which is the fourth highest. Uh, 538 is protecting us to finish at 37 points, which would make us three points clear of Fulham um, and then West Brom and Sheffield all going down. So a 538 is giving us a three-point cushion from relegation. Um, Burnley at 42 points ahead of us, so we'd be five points behind Burnley. Elijah, who's your best player? Man of the match. Man, I yeah. Uh, I think the logical answer is probably Joel Linton here. Um, again, led the team in expected assist. Um, had the goal. Um, played just generally well. Uh, I mean, when Newcastle, even when they changed kind of what strategy, uh, he he his he held up play well. Um, he still was very involved. Um, again, you know, three or four shots on target, which again, like he gets slandered for because he didn't score every single opportunity, um, which you want your striker to do. But on that same note, Joel Linton of you know, last year would not have even put these shots on target. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a, it's a noted improvement. And again, it's really hard not to give a man the match considering this 100% was his best match he's ever played at Newcastle. Um, he, he was just, he was really good. And uh, I think there's definitely other plays you can say deserve, you know, man in the match. But for me, I'm going to go with Joel Linton. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with you here. So I'll just go into what who scored said. So pretty interesting. We only had three players with a seven or higher in this situation. Uh, one is Jacob Murphy. So shout out to him because we didn't mention him much, but shout out to yeah, Jacob Murphy. Good. got a 7.11. And the other, we had a tie 7.34 between Jolinton and Miguel Almiron, who had, I was thinking like, I thought immediately after the game, Miguel Almiron was my man of the match because of how much he did in the second half. But yeah. you're right, Jolinton had more of an impact in the entire match. Miguel Almiron took over that second half. I mean, he was yeah. so good. Um, not only was he like clearing the ball off the line defensively, but he literally contributed to the second goal and probably and almost scored one himself, almost scored twice to himself. Um, so, yeah, so great performance all around. We're going to take a break. Then we're going to get into some news, odds and ends, and then we'll preview our match against Burnley. And we're going to do that right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we're back getting into some Newcastle news. And the first thing is we got some fun stuff. And it's from James Paletta. The Roma boss made some news. Looks like uh, he's talking about Newcastle, like that, how that would be a type of club that him and his team would invest in. Uh, brings up the takeover rumors. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know like what to say or where to begin with this. But Elijah, do you have any comments or anything you'd like to mention? Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting. Uh, it seems like Mike Ashley has firmly sort of uh, cemented himself as like he's going to only sell to the Staley Group, and he feels as if that sale is going to happen. Uh, like the Premier League is going to just push it through. Uh, no idea the status of arbitration. Like no one knows, but Mike Ashley seems confident. So um, yeah, 
there we go. We did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 going to be interesting. It's it's so tough to like, and I think all of our fan base feels this that it's so tough to get just drag yourself into takeover talks again because yeah, of course. Like, how many times are you willingly going to get let down before <laughs> before something changes? Uh, going into some odds and ends, Elijah, tell us about Jack Kerr. Yeah, so we've got Jack Gurr. Yeah, Jack Gurr is this uh, guy from Newcastle. Uh, and again, this is purely me wanting to mention this because, as you guys know, I'm from Atlanta. I'm an Atlanta United fan. I love Atlanta. Um, it's my favorite uh, city in the world. Uh, but Jack Gurr is a Newcastle-born player who uh, spent his actually his formative years at Gateshead uh, in their academy uh moved to Georgia in like 2014, I guess for high school. Um, and then ended up playing in Atlanta United's Academy system, played for Atlanta United too, and just got a call up to the first team. So I just wanted to give him a little shout out, shout out Jack Gurr. Um, you're Jordy. Uh, and, um, we appreciate all the work that you're doing. Shout out to Did you, he Jack. play in the champions league. No, the, tonight. No, I don't okay. think he was on the roster. I, they announced the signing like yesterday. And again, oh, okay. reference, this is Tuesday at like 11.55 Eastern time. Got it. Uh, so it's like 4 a.m. in the UK. But yeah, they announced him like yesterday. Okay. Uh, all right. Next thing is Kyle Scott apparently has rejected a contract offered for FC Cincinnati in MLS, which is just odd. Uh, apparently just the offer didn't get there and he has his eyes set on staying in Europe, which is also odd because if your eyes were set on staying in Europe, why would you take a trial for FC Cincinnati, which is not in Europe uh, in case anyone had any idea. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would, I would actually, I would, there. I would go as far to say Cincinnati is probably like the exact opposite of Europe, <laughs> like as a, as a place. Um, actually, I don't know. They've got a little like German influence there. I've heard, uh, which is part oh, yeah. of that's like, that, that's gone into kind of how they've branded themselves as an MLS team. But yeah, it's a weird one because Kyle Scott is not a great prospect. Um, I think we were a little excited for him to come again. Uh, this happens with a lot of Newcastle youth players. You come from a good academy, like I don't know Chelsea, which Kyle Scott came from. Uh, you get excited for the player, but didn't do much in our academy system, which, as Greg has mentioned multiple times, is not a good academy. So um, we mentioned that he had uh, gone on trial at Cincinnati and was playing well, and so we kind of thought that was just going to be where he ended up. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I, th- I still think there's an outside chance that he ends up yeah, at another MLS team. Um, he's done so he's done well enough in this MLS preseason that other MLS teams are definitely sniffing around. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think if you have the option to, to choose where to go in MLS, if you have options on the table, you're probably going to get some of these other options. Not only is Cincinnati maybe not an ideal city, but just as a club thus far, they have not proven to be a good option uh, yeah. for, for any player uh, thus far. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a weird one um, for sure, but I'm curious to see kind of what he ends up doing. Yeah, that's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, we have another, oh, uh, just wanted to give a quick update on our youth system. So the FA Youth Cup went pretty well. We had our matchup against Leeds and we beat them four to one. Dylan, Dylan Stevenson had a hat trick and Joe White scored the fourth goal. So one four to one, they're actually going to be playing Watford on Sunday in the fifth round of the FA Youth Cup. Um, so it will be at 2 p.m. local time for that. So the if, if Newcastle wins that, they will have a home tie over either Aston Villa or Burton Albion, yeah, Albion in the quarterfinals, uh, which will be Wednesday of next week. Um, so Watford play the level below Newcastle in the Professional Development League. So they beat Colchester and Lincoln City. So, like, our our academy, as bad as it may be, is better than Watford's. It should be better than Watford's. Yeah. So, uh, I'm assuming that there's a good chance that Newcastle's system could be in the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup. So, congrats to us. But they have to get the job done first. And then, Elijah, talk to us about Hamilton. I'm going to – Real quick, also mentioned while we're on the subject of just kind of teams that are maybe are not the first team for Newcastle. Want to mention NFC women? Uh, mm. A cup match played Bry House. Uh, I'm guessing that's how you say Bry House. It doesn't. There's no T, so Bry House. I'm going to go with that. They went into extra time uh, in their FA Cup match. Um, unfortunate result. Uh, basically, Bry House scored three goals in extra time. Um, and Newcastle women lost. But again, um, wanted to mention it. Definitely, we want to do a lot more content surrounding NUC women. And Greg has been working really hard to figure out how we can. Uh, so we'll keep you guys posted on that um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so let, let, let's talk a little uh, lower league football real quick. So um, if you've been on the Twitters, um, there's been a couple stories that have gone viral. We're only going to talk about one of them. Um, the other ones are a little bit, you know, maybe not what we want to talk about on this pod. Um, but yeah, Hanwell Town is one of those stories that we do want to talk about. Hanwell Town's a, a side that's kind of in the lower divisions of English football, uh, kind of a London-based club started by Jordies, revived by Jordies, and still currently run by Jordies. Um, basically, they kind of went a little bit viral. There was a a, a competition for some of these lower league sides, um, just simply just kind of a Twitter competition, nothing serious, but Hanwell town um, once again, sort of kind of sort of took the spotlight. They were kind of down in a poll. I think it was 70 to 30% um, in terms of like moving on to the next round in this sort of Twitter fictional uh, cup competition. And then a couple of Newcastle fans were like, yo, wait, timeout. Hanwell Town, they're run by Jordy's. Like, we got to do something, fam. And Newcastle fans came through. They moved on to the next round. And you can kind of follow their progress. Be sure to follow them on Twitter. But um, want to give them a quick shout-out because it's a cool story. Again, smaller club. I think they're in the eighth division of, of British soccer. And Greg can correct me or, uh, or disagree with me and confirm. Um, but, again – cool club to kind of follow um, in addition to Newcastle. Uh, our, our friend Andy from uh, Northeast Game 1, I think that's how you say their site, wrote a really cool piece with their marketing and sales and damn near this this woman does everything for them, their manager for, for that side of things. 
really cool read very it reads really well damn near like athletic quality so definitely give that a give that a read it's on the uh coming home newcastle main page um but yeah hanwell town's a cool story and definitely buy their merch when you talk about lower league clubs with merch hanwell town's up there and maybe <laughs> we're biased because we're newcastle fans but um i'm not gonna lie i'm probably about to buy a shirt from them right now uh they've got they've got dope stuff yeah uh let's take another break Elijah and we're going to on the other side we're going to preview our upcoming match against Burnley we'll do that right after this for Newcastle fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you plan your match day with our GPS travel planner taking you to the best pubs restaurants and hotels home and away download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play all right, Elijah, 4 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. Newcastle United will kick off against Burnley. Um, big match, a potential six-pointer uh, as it stands. So it will be very interesting to see what happens. So for uh, Newcastle, going through injuries to start, um, we, we lo- no, we won against them three to one. Um, so we're going for the double. Um, we have taken six points from Everton. Let's take six points from Burnley. Um, so we Burnley, interesting stat. I'm going to start off with a stat that Burnley have scored one goal in each of their last five matches against Newcastle United. Um, so Burnley has scored one. So it's a matter of, do you think we can score more than once? <laughs> um, so Isaac Hayden and Fabian Cher definitely out. Uh, it remains seen whether... Andy Carroll, Karen Clark, Ryan Fraser, Federico Fernandez, um, all will will be able to play. It also remains seen be, to be seen if Callum Wilson will be available. Um, for Burnley, there's doubts over Eric Peters, Robbie Brady, Kevin Long, Ashley Gar- Barnes, but Beardsley, looks like Phil Beardsley will be available. Um, he had a a bereavement issue. So it uh, looks like he'll be back for that. Um, they've lost to, so they, so Burnley, they beat, interesting, they beat Aston Villa three to two. And in this is last January, but they've lost to Manchester city, then drew their next five Premier League home games against Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Leicester city and Arsenal. So they're, they have a record of conceding 16 Premier League goals at home this season. Um, which is Chelsea uh, that matches Chelsea and it's only better than Man City and Spurs have done less. So Burnley's actually pretty solid at home. Elijah, take it away. Uh, what, what's your lineup suggestions? Any other injury updates that I didn't cover? We'll, yeah, we'll, wait, real it. quick. I just want to double check. You mentioned a three to two result for Burnley. You, you said a win. They lost to Southampton three to two. No, I said Aston Villa. Oh, maybe I said – I may have said Southampton, but that was a mistake. I meant Aston Villa. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was in, like, January. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that's, that's fair. I said in yeah. January, and since then, they've uh, they've lost to Man City and then drew their next five Premier League home matches. So they, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So they beat Got Aston Villa, lost to Man City, and drawn the next five. So they're, like, pretty good record at home. That's what, that was my point. Yeah, okay, yeah, at home. Just in general, they have – I feel like they've fell off. Oh, not at home, just in general. Uh, lost to Tottenham, 
they uh, they actually got they picked up a result against Everton away before the the Southampton match in which they lost three two. I think the probably the most alarming thing for Burnley at the moment is that they don't tend to give up a lot of goals, but giving up three goals is kind of massive to them, especially against a team in Southampton that I wouldn't say like you're expecting to give three goals to. Like maybe just because Tottenham are part of the big six, a four a four nil result to Tottenham where you get four goals to Tottenham, maybe not that out of the question, but a team in Southampton that's sort of mid-table in your realm of like we should be able to pick up a result against this this squad. Interesting that they gave up three goals against them. Um, I don't know what that means for Newcastle. Uh, I do think that Newcastle confidence is good for them. If you're walking to this Burnley match, knowing that you were able to create a ton of chances against Southampton, possibly should have won against Southampton, that can only bode well for you. Um, there's not a lot of threat from the Burnley attack, certainly not the likes of a Harry Kane or I. I my heart dropped when Tottenham were like, yeah, we're just going to bring Hungman's son off the bench. Yeah, my heart dropped at that moment. Uh, Burnley doesn't have players like that. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get with Burnley. Um, and Newcastle, I feel like, have handled Burnley pretty well and have, have limited them to, uh, you know, not scoring a ton of goals. Um, as it regards to lineups, I think Alan St. Maxman probably starts this next match. Um, Callum Wilson probably on the bench. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we know Steve Bruce has a pretty lax training schedule, so maybe Callum Wilson actually is fully fit for this match. But my money is going to probably be on uh, Callum Wilson being on the bench. I will mention this, Greg, and I don't know if you feel this way. Newcastle have a fairly difficult end of the season. Uh, they've got you know the likes of like Liverpool and Man City and Arsenal and Arsenal. I say in quotes because Arsenal I think is a match to in which Newcastle can maybe pick up a draw or a win from. Um, but Leicester as well, and then they close out with Sheffield and Fulham. I think that these next two matches against uh, Burnley and maybe West Ham are going to be pivotal for how Newcastle close out the season. I think if you, you could potentially pick up four points out of these two matches, and I think you're feeling a little bit better ahead of those last three matches, knowing that maybe picking up a result against Sheffield could secure you safety or something like that, or, you know, going into the Arsenal match, you could sneak out a win. I don't know if that's if that's how you're feeling regarding kind of like the current sort of run of form. And then after that, I guess we can talk, kind of talk about lineups. But I wanted to get your quick thoughts on that real quick. Just win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this Burnley one is a must win, but that's been I've said that for the past maybe five weeks. That's it. That, I mean, that, that's what I was going to get at in this preview is like you got to win this. Um, and I wanted to kind of paint the daltingness of uh, of of Burnley's home form because, like, honestly, like if you look at what we have left, and I know we beat West Ham, uh, but West Ham is good. Uh, yeah, they, they, like this is our rest of our matches. All, like, yeah, West also a different West Ham team than when we first saw them. When yeah. we got West Ham, we got literally the worst version of West Ham, which it was, was our first match, right? It was our first match, yeah. and they were like, in as a club, in complete turmoil. But now, like, they're not in turmoil. They're really, yeah. really good. They are. Uh, they are a scary team to come up against. <laughs> these are. There's three matches left that we have to get points from. It's this one. 
Then we play yeah. West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Manchester City. And then our final two, we need to get points from Sheffield and Fulham. <laughs> I, I would say that the Arsenal one, even though on as a name, Arsenal looks like a really good side. I would say that's that's a match where you you have to go in there saying mm-hmm. we can get a draw or maybe nick a win. Because there there's there's really no one on Arsenal right now that gives me any sort of fear. A bummying, maybe. And that's a strong maybe. He's he got to be on his day. He loves playing us. But outside of that, everyone else on that team is like, eh. They, <laughs> they feel like a mid-table side right now. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah, as it regards to lineups, oh. like I said, Almiron uh, – sorry, not Almiron. obviously going to play, but Alice Maxman probably going to play. Callum Wilson, a maybe. I'm curious to see what formation C. Bruce rolls out with um, in the, in this one. Uh, I don't. I honestly have no idea what he's going to go with now that Alice Maxman is probably going to be fully fit. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Greg. Do you have any do you have any bold predictions for formation or anything like that based on kind of what you've seen so far? Love love to go a five three two here, and but I think Bruce might. Uh move away from that simply because of Sean Dyche's like strategy. Um, and Sean Dyche might be able to outsmart that. So I, I think we should go there, but I think Steve Bruce might be a little worried of it. So we'll see how that happens. Um, but outside of that, like, I, I hope they practice this week. That would be nice. <laughs> and I hope they have a clear plan. Like they did against Spurs. They came out, fresh and ready to go with a plan to attack. And I, that just needs to happen. If we play like that against Burnley, we win. We beat Burnley. Simple, simple fact. Like we will beat Burnley if we play. Yeah. Like that. yeah so we beat Burnley and like we that. probably improve our goal differential. Cause I think like, if you play like that against Burnley, you, you honestly might look like a, like, like a three nil four nil win. Yeah. Um, especially when you look at the fact that outside of that, those well, at least four race to Brighton loss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Um, out, outside of the, those four minutes of hell, Newcastle's defense was quite solid. And that's playing players that we didn't really expect to play at center back. I'm looking at Emil Kraft, but like even Paul Dummett's not, you know, if you're given an option between choosing three Newcastle center backs, you're probably not choosing Paul Dummett. Um, and I like Paul, and I think he's probably best at it as a center back. But if you're giving us Kieran Clark, Federico Fernandez, and Jamal Lascelles, I don't know if Burnley are scoring two goals against yeah. that back three. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and then uh, any any things like anything that you would say we need to do to win this match? Yeah, I think it, it's 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 the same sort of thing I, I briefly mentioned earlier. you got to find a way to – get the best out of Joel Linton, Alan Miron, Alan St. Maximin, and Colin Wilson. And just like, how do you figure out to do, how do you figure out how to do that? It is a million dollar question. Um, I mean, I, I threw out the, I think someone asked us this actually. Um, and I think, I, I forgot who asked us this on, on Twitter, but I, I mentioned like maybe a four, two, two, two with two attacking mids. And that allows you to get Cal Molson and Joel Linton playing off each other, which again might be ideal for both of those players. Um, 
but it, but it, it's just so tough to figure out you know how to get all those guys clicking. But I think if you get at least two out of those four guys on the same page and doing well, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna walk away with at least a draw, which I wouldn't be mad at. No, just get points. All. Yeah, just, as win. long as you're picking up points, that that's good. But a win, but a win. A win uh, would be massive. A win would be huge. A win would yeah. be great. <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah, for Newcastle, like it, you just have to do the same thing. I, I don't know. I just, huh, I just really hope that's what happens. So, <laughs> um, going to five thirty-eight before we get into our predictions, um, Newcastle United are. Pro- oh, that's the wrong link. Going back to the Premier League. Um, here we go. So five thirty-eight projects every match. And this one, they project to be a little bit difficult for Newcastle. So despite the strong performance at Spurs, they have Burnley with a fairly high chance of winning, uh, 41%, a 31% chance for Newcastle to win, and a 28% chance of a draw. So the odds are going pretty strongly to Burnley here. A little interesting one before we dive into our predictions, Elijah. 538 has Brighton with a 49 chance. 49% 49% chance to beat Everton. Uh, Everton has a 25% chance. So basically they're saying two to one odds that Brighton will beat Everton. 538 saying. So thought that was amazing. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a bit weird. I'm not going to lie. That's a pretty like big percentage too. So put your money on Brighton, 538 is saying. So let's just see what happens there. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I'm just not buying that. Like I think Everton are just going to smash Brighton. So I, I looked like two weeks of like 538 predictions versus what actually happens. Might want to put your money on Brighton. <laughs> might might want to put it on Brighton just in case. They're they're pretty locked in. They, like if you just bet on who will win each time, good chance that it will come to fruition. Like seven out of ten times they're right. Um, pretty interesting. I, don't know. With a, with a, I, I think they've got this one wrong. I'm, I, you know, we'll we'll double, we'll circle back around. Yeah, on next week's episode. But I'm, I just, I don't know. They're even saying they, that Brighton has a better chance to get a draw than Everton does to beat Brighton. So they must know something we don't know. I could see a draw, but like Brighton also, like lest we not forget, probably will go down in Premier League history. It's just like biggest failure to convert expected goals like just <laughs> like on paper like i could yes you're right brighton they they produce a lot of chances like they're fine but like i also could just see them completely bottling this and just yeah not at all like <laughs> uh you know converting any of the chances they have and this being a draw i could see this being a draw for sure yeah all right what's your prediction I think Newcastle win this one 2-1. Um, I think Burnley, again, a little shaky at defense. I think giving up three goals to Southampton is not great. Not saying South. I think Southampton is a great team in, in attack. But, again, like Sean Dyche has – like it has been his identity to be solid defensively. And that's, that's just so out of character for them. Um, and if that – continues and that if that's a trend um if you're newcastle you have to you have to take advantage of that i'm 100 and uh you know try to get a lot of shots on target 17 shots in the box against tottenham again 
don't want to, you know, cut corners. Tottenham, like that was like the 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 game plan that Tottenham rolled out with. They were banking on Newcastle, you know, seeing a lot of the ball and having chances, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if Newcastle are afforded the opportunity to get ten plus shots in the box, I feel like they'll win. So, yeah. I, you know, you kind of using that logic of bright not bright but Burnley have looked a little shaky as of recent and Newcastle if they're able to kind of replicate anywhere near close to what they did this past weekend they they should be able to put in you know two to three goals I I feel like two to one is something that's not out of the realm of possibility for sure yeah I am uh trying to stay optimistic on this one but uh I just really believe that it's going to be a one-one draw. I'm playing it safe. I actually was going into this podcast saying that Newcastle was going to lose, so uh, this I'm riding on the high of the Spurs result. Talking about it, so one-one draw, and I hope Elijah's right, which he has been recently because he said Joe Willock was going to be good, and I said Joe Willock was not going to make any difference for us, and I was wrong. So we're going to ride Elijah's hype train, Elijah's uh, hype train, and, and go from there. Um, Elijah, any last any last words before we conclude this wonderful podcast? Uh, no, I think I'm booing. All right, well that's going to conclude it. Shout us out. Follow us on Twitter. Mm. ask us any questions yeah um i'm gonna i'll post some more questions on my uh twitter follow at neofc underscore greg we probably should have talked about that today but we can talk about it whenever about yeah. I, I brief i briefly mentioned one of the questions you asked so yeah uh i'll figure out some more fun stuff to write i need to post more on twitter elijah is a great follow so that's a man that's a mandatory one mine like you don't have to follow just like check in see if there's anything going on um, if, if you're interested in newcastle definitely follow greg if you're interested in just like granular takes, newcastle though not like broad newcastle twitter yeah yeah no it, it's gotta yeah yeah if it's you're gotta interested be, you in just be like, into newcastle to like <laughs> some of the things i post yeah no for me it's very much if you're into just like tweets Cacophonous sports. Yeah. Uh, For for, for reference, I had a tweet that gained a lot of attention this past weekend because I mentioned coleslaw, an American, uh, I wouldn't say delicacy, but definitely a staple in the South. I say it's not good. Uh, If you disagree with me, please tweet at me and let me know. I think Greg, you agree. Coleslaw with mayo, especially, not not good, not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, fun fact: we, this will be our fun fact end of the pod segment. Is uh, its organs or its organs? Its origins can be traced as far back as the ancient Romans, uh, who served a dish of cabbage, vinegar, eggs, and spices, which essentially is coleslaw. That's the Dutch, who founded New York State, grew cabbage around the Hudson River. And they used it in sh- in a shredded cabbage salad that they call kusla. Kool means cabbage, and sla is salad in Dutch. So it's a cabbage salad, and that's how it was originated in the South. Must have just taken it and ran with it. I ha- I hated everything about that. I'm not going. Yeah, I knew like, you would. I, yeah, gosh, coleslaw is stupid and terrible and disgusting. And if you like coleslaw, I can't like you as a person. Oh, well, I do have to say, like, I like coleslaw. 
Like if if you said Greg eat this coleslaw, I'd happily do it and I would enjoy it. Oh. However, if you said Greg, you pick coleslaw or Texas toast, your boy going with the Texas toast. You know yeah, what no, I mean? Te- it's Texas not something I'm going to order. I'm not going to say like, oh yeah, hey, I want some extra coleslaw, but I I also don't hate coleslaw. If that makes sense. I no, I I just do hate it. I think yeah. I think mayonnaise like. I, one, I don't like mayonnaise, which is probably the main. What about relish? Are you a relish guy? I'm not a huge relish guy. Like I, I, I would say, like I don't hate it, but I'm not gonna willingly you, put relish. Do you not like mayonnaise. anything acidic? Are no, you like I, away I, from acidic stuff? I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if I'm away from acidic stuff, but I do think there's a certain like realm of condiments that happen to also be strangely acidic that I don't like, like horseradish. Yeah. Like I may, I by the way for Easter, happy belated Easter to all of our, all of our our fans or that, members that of our celebrate community. Easter. Yeah, shout out to Easter. Um, I made a roast like a pot roast, and the the sauce that came with the roast called for like a a sauce that had horseradish in it, and I hated the sauce. Like even with the roast, like everyone else was like, "Oh, this is great," blah blah. blah. I hated it. So maybe I there's like a love there's like a certain school of condiment that has that acidic taste that I just don't like, but for coleslaw specifically, it's really way more about mayo. I hate eggs and I don't like mayo, and so it's it was so an deviled eggs it is a real problem for you. I don't eat deviled. I've never had a deviled egg in my life. I mean, there's nothing that's that's. I mean, it would be me it's everything you're against essentially. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Literally everything I'm against. <laughs> yeah uh so yeah dude um yeah coleslaw that's what you get when you follow me on twitter yeah all right well that's gonna do it that's gonna conclude this episode of chn radio episode 172 i'm your host greg troxel that's the best damn coast in the land elijah newsom let's get three points this weekend turn up and away the last love you guys Sitting inside a fridge But I wish I was on the case side Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're forty and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river time. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been a weird. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny how I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. 
And I love the Geordie heroes There's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again Brave the darkest in James's Park In the Gallagher Tend in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hear me how we're I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail 